Today, we'll look at one of the most misquoted and incorrectly used verses in the Bible and how it should be read today. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast. So today we're going to get into a verse that has always been misused. At least I think it's always been misused. I think you're going to agree as well. It's been thrown around even more the last couple of years. I mean, how many times just in the last couple of years have you heard somebody say, don't judge? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing in my mind number of people, Christians, influencers, people with platforms that when they've been asked about things like uh, homosexuality, uh, gender dysphoria, transgenderism, all, all those different buzzwords, hot topics that, you know, they, they come with this statement. They're like, well, it's not my place to judge. Well, that actually is a very true statement, but you can still actually give your opinion on what the Bible says about it. And that's just typically what people do. They'll immediately jump out and say, well, don't judge. If, if you have an opinion on something, well, don't judge. If you say, well, the Bible says this about it, don't judge. And somehow, because you're lining up with a biblical stance or what the word of God says about something, that somehow you're judging another person. When the reality is, is you're not judging another person. You're letting scripture judge that person's actions and you're choosing which value and which law that you line up with. Just like if somebody's driving down the road and you say they're speeding, you're not pronouncing this negative judgment on the character of the person. You're simply making an evaluation that the law says you can only go 55 miles an hour here but you're going 59 miles an hour or 79 miles an hour. Therefore you are speeding. And I just imagine the person driving down the road going, don't judge, you know, it's just, that's the ludicrousy of when we make a statement or we evaluate something based on the text that somebody comes back and says, well, don't judge. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's been thrown around uh, the way that it has, because um, it, it, it's definitely, it's it's definitely caused people to back off and to be a lot more careful about even wanting to line up with the word of God or line up with the text. And because somehow in our cancel culture, if you pick a value system that is conservative or lines up with the word of God, even though you're picking that value system for your life, suddenly you're pronouncing judgment on others, which I just want to encourage you when that happens, you can stand your ground that you're not judging anyone else, but they are judging themselves when they're confronted with the word of God and confronted with the person of Christ and they choose to live otherwise. They judge themselves. There's this story of a person who is at the, uh, uh, at the Louvre in Paris and they were, they were evaluating this, this incredible mural. And, you know, I forget that the procurator, whatever their name is, is, is standing there. And this person says, I don't, you know, I don't like this painting. I don't like this. I don't like that. <laughs> And the guy says, well, you, you must be mistaken that you somehow have the ability to judge this painting, to judge this work of art. It's, it's not the work of art uh, doesn't have the ability to be judged anymore, but all those who make their opinion on it judge themselves. And so we have this same thing that when we, we see people making decisions and, and throwing out this phrase, don't judge and, and getting upset about a lifestyle that does not line up with the word of God does not line up with the person of Christ and the teachings of, of the epistles and all the way from Genesis to revelation. It's, it's not that the word of God is judging them. They are judging themselves by not coming into alignment with it. So let's read our passage today. Uh, Matthew seven, one through five, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you'll be treated as you treat others. The standards you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why, why worry about the speck in your brother's eye? 
your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, actor. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So it's kind of funny just because in the way people position this don't judge in and of itself, people say, well, don't judge because you're, the Bible says not to judge, which we're seeing here. This is not really what it says in context, but here's the reality. You're telling me don't judge because you're judging me and have determined that my values and decisions and actions don't line up with yours. So literally someone saying don't judge is a judgment in and of itself against you. The, the difference is, is uh, that same person would have no problem if I judged that they were handsome or judged that they were pretty or smart or intelligent or a cool person. They would love that judgment. The only problem is if my judgment is different than your preference. The truth is we, we all like to be judged when we're judged according to our liking. If you're in a court case and the court case goes your way, you love that judgment. When the court case does not go your way, you don't love that judgment. You don't like it at all. In fact, you hate it. Now, in our culture, our current culture, which is driven by social media, politically and very politically charged, I mean, it's hard to go into any arena of life online today or uh, anywhere in media and, and escape being judged or even judging others, even when you don't post anything or say anything out loud. This is an issue, not just of our actions, but it's really an, an issue that deals with the disposition of our own heart. Um, the most common application to this part of this passage today is, is really to uh, morality. People tend to somehow take this verse and say, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're not supposed to make moral judgments. However, that really couldn't be further from the truth. Later, Paul even says, do you not know that you will judge angels in the next age? So in just a few verses, we're actually going to see Jesus do just that. He actually tells us to in the next few verses to not cast our pearls in front of pigs and to watch out for false prophets, with which both require making a judgment on what is right and wrong. So Jesus is not telling us here to not judge something morally. And so what happens is most people take this verse and they say, well, you can't call sin a sin because you're passing judgment. That's not what this means. That's not even close. In, in fact, it's okay to call sin a sin. You are passing judgment on the action doesn't necessarily mean you're judging the internal content and character of that person. And so what is to, to see what Jesus is talking about, that's why we have to read the whole passage. It's amazing how people that do not know the Bible somehow know this phrase and, and feel like it can be applied how they want to, even Christians. And so while, while there is some rabbinic background to this passage today, uh, I, I want to focus just mainly on what it just says today. You know, I mean, rabbis did teach that there was only two types of judgment, mercy and justice. Uh, Hillel, one of the famous rabbis, he, he said that uh, a man should never pass judgment on another man's uh, situation or actions until he himself has been in those situations or actions, which I think, I, I think there's some truth to that, but I don't, I don't believe uh, that statement is true in and of itself and applies to all situations. Otherwise judges that sit on a bench couldn't judge murderers because they had never committed murder. There has to be a standard principle uh, and value system and law that's laid in place in which things are judged by. So Jesus, what he does, though, is he serves up a really good practical reminder here that you're going to be held to the standard that you appear 
to hold others to. And we've seen this happen with COVID restrictions over the last year. Politicians in, uh, in, in states with, with super tight and lockdowns and extended lockdowns and mask enforcements, we, we've seen them violating their own rules and then people lose their mind. They freak out. They get upset because these people set a standard and are not living to the own standard uh, that they set here. And so, and you know, rightfully so people getting upset about it. And that's Jesus's initial statement here has to do with that very same thing, except from a religious standpoint, it has to do with the exterior demonstration and requirement of faith that was being put on people uh, by Pharisees and, and Sadducees. And, and we see Jesus lay down some pretty hefty rebukes later on in the gospel. But these people, though, they there were some of them, not all of them, there were some of them that laid really heavy burdens on the people and they taught really heavy burdens on their disciples. And in the, the burden of, of in, in their interpretation of Torah was, was heavy. In fact, that's when Jesus says later, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. A yoke was a, a rabbi's teaching or interpretation of Torah. And if he had a very difficult interpretation of Torah, lots of requirements, like we saw with Hillel and Shammai, then his yoke was considered heavy. But if his if his interpretation of Torah was easy, then his yoke was considered light, and so that's why we see Jesus later saying, "My yoke is my yoke is easy, my burden is light." But these these teachers had put some really difficult uh, parameters and, and and strictures in place, extra in the oral law regarding uh, Torah, and so the problem is is they themselves weren't even abiding by it. I mean, we we see this later. Uh, multiple times during a discussion about work on Sabbath, Jesus said, "Yeah, hey, listen, you don't want me to heal this guy on Sabbath, but if your ox fell in a ditch, wouldn't you go get it? I mean, it just goes to show us, though, also that the the argument between human life versus the value of animal life has always been a thing and somehow justified inside of a religious political system. And then, or or he later we see Jesus. I mentioned this before. He's he's in the temple and he asks. They say, well, you know, who do you pay taxes to, Caesar or God? He says, well." you know, give me a denarius, give me a Roman coin, give me a coin with a graven image on it, which shouldn't be in the temple. And, and the guy knows it shouldn't be in the temple, but in a, just a split second reaches in and you can hear the jingle of it in his pocket. And he, Jesus is exposing this very thing. So, so what is, if Jesus isn't just, if he's not addressing um, us passing moral judgment or using the scripture, the text as our baseline for moral judgment or not calling sin a sin, what is he talking about? Simply put, he's addressing a critical and judgmental spirit that sizes up and looks down on other people. So you can call sin a sin without positioning yourself better than someone else. And one of the things we learn from the Gospels and the testimony of Scripture is that regardless if you're religious like Nicodemus or you're rebellious, we all need a Savior regardless. And Jesus, he actually dealt with this mentality in the home of, of Simon the Pharisee in Luke 7. He tells a parable of two people, one's indebted 50, the other 500. Both are forgiven. And Jesus says, who do you think's more grateful? Simon goes, well, the one who is forgiven 500. Jesus says, you've judged correctly. But the point of the story wasn't that Simon only owed 50 and the sinful woman owed 500. It was that Simon only felt like he owed 50. He only could see that he owed 50. The reality is, is they were both indebted beyond what they could repay and they both needed forgiveness. So Jesus helps them like lighten the load of, of kind of digesting this word. And he gives them this really funny visual. This is no doubt showing Jesus's humor and 
I even picture Jesus picking up like a walking stick or something. And he goes, listen, if you're going to deal with the speck in your brother's eye, then you need to move the log out of your own. So there's this visual of, of a guy walking around with a log sticking out of his face. And he's like, hey, let me fix this for you. Let me get that speck out of your eye. In other words, Jesus says, you need to clear your perspective in order to see rightly. And the reason that you're so concerned with the speck in your brother's eye is you're blinded to the log that is in your own eye and it's skewing your perspective. And I'll just say this personally that I, when I was younger, before my first marriage, I was very prideful spiritually. I was, you know, I I didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't do drugs. Uh, I didn't really have a a tainted past aside from just some typical dumb high school, college decisions, you know, just immature decisions you make. And, and so even though I said that I didn't look down on other people or judge other people actually really did. Um, you know, I, I had people that people that drank people that had been through a divorce, people that uh, did lots of different things that I felt didn't line up with the word of God. I was actually internally very critical towards them, very judgmental, looked at them less than absolutely no doubt. But what happened is after I went through a mess of my own and, and came out on the other side and, and rebuilt my life and ended up meeting my, my beautiful wife and, and, you know, building a life with a family and a career and everything else. Now, when I'm sitting across a table from people who are in that same position or in similar positions or going through struggles, I no longer, I no longer judge their character. I no longer judge their, um, the quality of a person they are or what they're struggling with. I know I don't associate their sin or their area of weakness with who God has actually called them to be. Because now I have a clearer perspective of my own brokenness, my own ability to fall into traps, my own ability to fall into sin, my own, abil- my own ability to make bad decisions. And I know that my ability to sin and get weak in those areas doesn't change m- my character. So why should it, why should it change theirs? And so the Lord was kind to me and that he said, Hey, Michael, I'm going to let you actually run into the log in your eye and it let it knock you upside the head so that you can get it out. So you can actually see the speck in someone else's eye and see how small their situation is compared to how large yours actually was. So a couple of things as we wrap up here, the first one is Jesus said, don't judge for you will be judged, which simply means you're not the judge. If you're going, if you are going to be judged, it means that your word is not final. So when you judge someone, make sure you judge the action and you're not judging the quality of the person. And then second, self-evaluate before you begin to size someone else up. Remember that you need to size yourself up before the Lord. And what you'll find is like Simon and the sinful woman, that regardless of what you think your debt is, you're both indebted. You're both in need of a savior and you both owe something that you do not have the ability to pay. And you're both in need of forgiveness and let that be the baseline for how you judge. Hope this is helpful. Thanks again for listening. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast.